This podcast is sponsored by Tell2App.com. Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. What's up, guys? Mike Fedick here with the life of a networker. And I'm excited today. I mean, I'm excited every day that I wake up, I can walk, I can see and smile and grateful for life. Uh, But I'm really excited today because I've got my dear friend, Jesse McPherson in the house with us. What's up, Jesse? How you doing, Mike, brother? So love the energy. Oh, man, we're doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, the life of a networker is, is just simply diving in to finding entrepreneurs who have built their their empires through networking, which really is any business today, but specifically right. in our industry of network marketing, we're proud of it. We're happy uh, because we change people's lives. And if you're a part of this industry, you know um, the the good that it can do for for so many people across the globe. And uh, Jesse's been able to do that over the years. And uh, today uh, looks a little different than when he started a, a handful <laughs> of years ago, uh, yeah. because I know he comes uh, from a background of entertainment and dancing and. Uh, I'm really jealous. I, I mean, honestly, Jesse, I watch you dance. I see you put performances on and uh, I get up and I do like two moves and Kim tells me to sit back down. Just I just don't have it. And, uh, I've got to accept that. So anyways, my friend, let's dive right into it, man. Tell us a little bit about your story. Where do you come from? And then lead up into one day a cassette tape landed in your hand and that kind of was your start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then first off, thank you for having me here today. And to everybody listening around the world, whether you're a part of this amazing profession or not, if you're not, get involved, you know, uh, regardless of the income that's generated from it, the growth that I believe that you'll get from being a part of uh, network marketing and hands-on real-life experience and communication and people and psychology and leadership and, uh, and a multitude of everything. I think, you know, you can pretty much probably do 10 years of therapy your first year in network marketing. <laughs> so, um, but I... Uh, my, my journey started, I guess, a little kind of going, going back to the beginning, right? Take you back, back, back. It was uh, uh, from California. I was born in the Bay, but I uh, grew up up in the sticks in Northern California. Uh, we had uh, uh, about 80 acres up in the Sierra Nevadas, um, and we had a big Christmas tree farm. And I'm Jewish, so I think that is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, I kept moving south uh, and made it to uh, high school in Central California, And then when I was 17, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue a background in entertainment. I was a professional hip-hop dancer, teacher, choreographer. And if you're watching this on a, or listening to this on a podcast, um, this isn't that funny, but I'm I'm very white. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, and, you know, I think it was one of the things that was like, people didn't see me coming. It was one of those things. But uh, my mom was a dancer. My grandma was a dancer. They were uh, the ballerinas and the jazz dancers. And uh, I actually was just going to the dance studio with my mom when she was uh, going to take classes. And there was this hip hop music right around the 90s when you know, you had MC Hammer and Michael Jackson was in full swing. And I think, uh, you know, Vanilla Ice was uh, was starting to hit and, and MTV and the entertainment music video became like this this whole era. And you didn't have to have any formal training uh, for uh, for hip hop. And so I, I moved to Southern California. I felt I've just I've always loved I loved teaching. I loved traveling. 
And uh, that gave me the opportunity to travel at a very young age. So I got to go on tour in China and Cuba, and I got to teach in workshops in Spain and Ireland and Italy and Portugal and London, and pretty much, um, I wouldn't say all over, but a lot of places. And, and that really gave me the perspective early on in life that having a nine to five was just not going to be in the cards for me. So, um, so I had this travel bug and I had this uh, you know, really kind of flexibility of being my own boss teaching classes, but I was still that self-employed. I, I, I taught, I got paid. I didn't teach, I didn't get paid. And I was still a, a starving artist and I didn't want, I wanted to be an artist. I just didn't want to be starving anymore. So, <laughs> and uh, it was at that time I got introduced to network marketing. It was uh, May of 2002. So at this point, uh, 18 years ago. And it was a woman who took my dance class and she said, hey, Jess, do me a favor, take a listen to this. And she gave me a cassette tape for those of you guys who remember those. And it was a network marketing tool. And, you know, one side talked about the company's product service and the other side talked about the opportunity. And I remember taking it home, listening to it. And uh, I, I wasn't really paying much attention to it while it was playing in the background. I remember I was cleaning my apartment in L.A. And, uh, and then I heard about these people making money and I just, I remember sitting down on my couch, like staring at my cassette player or my little speaker box and, and going, huh? I'm like this. And for those, if you have no preconceived notions about network marketing, the first time you hear it, it's the most genius thing you've ever heard in your entire <laughs> life. I mean, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, and so uh, pretty much uh, from that point, uh, <laughs> she called me the next day, she came over I, I watched a, a little video, heard the testimonials, and I was like, I'm in. This is it. I've been looking for something I could do around my schedule. I don't want to get another job. Uh, the idea of this residual income uh, just was so appealing to me. And so I, I got started, and I fell flat on my face. But uh, that, was, uh, that was when I got started in network marketing. Oh, man, that's so awesome. And uh, I remember I remember at one time I heard your story about uh, the Christmas trees. And I'm just a huge Christmas guy. I, love, I don't even, you know, the whole month of December. And I think because I, I really enjoy seeing people happy, right? That's, that's why, like, even today, I love Fridays. Kim's always like, why do you love Fridays? Like, you're an entrepreneur. Every day you can do what you kind of want to do. I go, because it's not about me. It's about seeing the people they just got paid. You know, now it's like direct deposit on Thursday at midnight, you know, 1201. <laughs> and, and so people are just in a better mood and you can see yeah. them glow in their walk. And so uh, that's pretty cool, man. Well, so now, so now here we are, you signed up in this company. And at that time, like you said, you fell kind of flat on your face, but something you said too, it's, it's the education, right? I mean, even yeah. though you fell on your face, you were learning, you were around um, successful people. So just talk about what it was like to get in that environment because in California at that time in that company, I know there was massive momentum. It was the number one state. They, they were running big events and stuff. So you were able to circle yourself around some pretty successful entrepreneurs who had been there. What was that like for you? And what did that mean to, to bolt your career? Got it. Well, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. You know, I mean, I you know, I, I, I fell flat on my face. I didn't enroll my first um, customer or, or distributor to my fourth month and actually my fifth month in business, my first four months, I was a big goose egg. And it wasn't <laughs> because I was around the environment. It's because I didn't go to the trainings. That's why, honestly, I mean, I didn't plug in. I didn't learn. I was like, Oh, it's going to be easy. And I called my two for sure's and they said no, or good luck. And I was like, this sucks. I threw my kid under the bed and honestly, I wanted to quit, but I had too much pride to call my sponsor to cancel. So, cause I, <laughs> <laughs> and she kept she kept promoting this stupid training, you know, this like this weekend training, you know, those Saturday type trainings. And oh, yeah. I was like, I'll go if you leave me alone type of thing. And 
it was my fourth month, the end of my fourth month after I'd signed up, I went to this training and there was 1500 people at the Long Beach Convention Center. Wow. And, and that was it. You know, I, I saw the guys on stage and I saw, I heard the testimonials and I was like, oh my, this is much bigger than I thought. But that was my first real introduction to the world of personal growth, personal development, self-improvement. And, you know, they started, you know, writing down goals. And I remember the first, the first part of it that I was just kind of there like, I don't even know if I want to be here, but literally by the end of the first day, I mean, I don't, you, you couldn't kick me out. Like I was, and it wasn't so much just the opportunity. It was the education I was getting. I remember thinking to myself so many times, cause I was, I, I think I just turned 20. I was, I might've still been 19. I was thinking, how come, no, how come nobody teaches this in school? I remember being like, like aggravated, like, like frustrated with the fact that, you know, I, I, why? Like I was, I was angry. How come nobody like this information, like everybody needs to know this? Why those? So I felt like this almost um, this this passion for education. So I got very curious, like, why? Why does no one know this? Why is this not being taught across, you know, in school, you know? And and but I also started learning about the goal setting and the goal setting process and, you know, and just kind of dreaming and you know, everything from affirmations to uh, starting to read books. And they said, you know, you got leaders or readers and reading was a really hard subject in school for me. I was, you know, held back or taken out of my classes to lower grades, you know, many, many years. So I was like, oh no. <laughs> and, but, uh, you know, thinking grow rich, I got introduced to the concept of Jim Rohn's and, and I, one of the things I love today, it's 2020. And as we're recording this here today, and I, one of the reasons I love network marketing is I love being the guy that gets to introduce Jim Rohn to people. I love it. Like I love getting it. I love being the guy that gets to introduce John C. Maxwell, Tony Robbins. I love being the guy that gets to introduce the, the, you know, Napoleon Hill and, you know, Dale Carnegie and, you know, some of the greats that are out there because 18 years ago, someone introduced me to the world uh, that, you know, changed the direction of my life because, you know, as Jim Rohn says, it's not the winds of life that determine our destination. It's the set of our sail. And you can't change destination overnight, but you can change direction. And that first event that happened in Southern California, uh, the environment was what forced me to grow. And because the expectation in that environment was that you were going to get better. And most people are, are in an environment that don't expect them to grow. They expect them to stay the same. Therefore, things generally do. But I was so, so, so grateful that I got involved and in, not just in a company, but in a market and uh, working with leaders that growth was a high priority that they were teaching their organization. Absolutely. And, you know, for some of the listeners out there, they, they may be brand new to the industry. Some may not be in yet, but let's talk to that group that that's brand new or, you know, maybe 90 days, six month window. And you really, they just haven't really done it yet. And one of the things you said, though, was was you were kind of there, but you went to a big event and you yeah. saw it. So how important it is, how important is it for these folks that maybe in the next six months to a year, their company is going to have a big event, not only for themselves to go, but I know when you went, you got inspired. And then I remember your story a few years later, you brought busloads of people from California to Oklahoma City. So both yeah. talk about importance of going for themselves. But then once you do go and you make that decision, how important it is to bring teams every event. Yeah, I got I mean, we could spend an hour just on this subject alone. Um, but for a lot of people, the, the conversation is seeing is believing. And leaders believe it before they see it. Those are what we call our visionaries. You know, the visionaries, they're able to see things before it comes to fruition. 
But for a lot of people, they, they need to see it before they can believe it. And the conventions are really where that happens for most people. Um, because you'll see people that have your same excuse as to why you're not successful that are very successful. <laughs> so, you know, I can't do this because I got three kids. Someone will cross the stage with four kids. You're like, oh, there goes that one. You know, and you'll be like, I can't do this because I, I, I'm not I'm not college educated. Someone will cross the stage that's a high school dropout. And you're like, well, I can't use that one. Um, you know, people say, well, I'm shy. And you'll watch somebody grow up on stage who is terrified to say their name and their state to just get an award. And you're like, oh, man, can't use. So it's really not just an excuse eliminator uh, and a kind of the, the belief builder that happens a lot of times at the events. But it's where you get to compress timeframes. You know, um, success has a language. Success has um, a um, a style. It's if good example is if we want to communicate. If you speak Spanish and I speak English, and I keep talking to you in English, you keep talking to me in Spanish. We're we're not going to connect. Eventually, we'll get frustrated with each other, and we'll probably stop communicating. Um, so, cause there's just, there's a lack of a bridge there in order for me to communicate with you effectively. I need to learn Spanish or you need to learn English. It's one of the two. Most people don't know the language of success inside of, you know, their company or inside of their industry. So if you want to be successful, compress timeframes, think about it like this. A lot of people, I know I took Spanish in high school, you know, and I took Spanish for like three or four years and I still don't speak Spanish. <laughs> But the best way to learn Spanish is to drop yourself in a country of total immersion where no one speaks English and you learn that pretty darn quick because you're forced to. It's like you take an English speaking child, put them in a Spanish speaking family, they will learn Spanish, not by choice, but because the environment dictates it. So I think the most important thing I think you can do in your company is get in an environment where everybody has the right language of success because it's not by accident they're doing what they're doing. They're, they're there if they've been making money in their company for years, decades. The reason why is they think a certain way, they do a certain thing, they believe a certain thing. And what you're trying to do is what is their thought process, their language of success. And that's what you're looking to model and mimic. Man, that's so good. And, and uh, one of the things you said there was most people don't know the language of success. And what's so powerful about that is if you don't know it, it's so easy to get around it, right? Between YouTube now and, and, and uh, educational Facebook groups and Robert Kiyosaki videos and Jim Rohn, like you said, I mean, you can absorb yourself in the next 15 minutes after listening to this in so much um, of that language of success. And, and then, like you said, getting around uh, the leaders in your company, you know, like for some of you right now that listening to this is, you know, when you see the million dollar earner at the bar, you know, just sitting up there, don't be afraid to walk up, right? But don't walk up necessarily and just start asking questions or complaining about your genealogy or the website wasn't <laughs> working because that that is where they kind of just want to turn away. But walk up and, and, and give some gratitude, right? Let them know that you appreciate the pathway that they, you know, put down for this company. And, you know, maybe then at the very end, ask, you know, one question, right? Rather than 30 questions and overwhelm them, listen more to them rather than talk more. And that was one thing, Jesse, that I, you know, I got started at 19 years old that I learned is I just sat around people like, you know, the famous Jeff Olson and, and some of these legendary people that were a part of that company at the time, man, I would just sit there and get as close as I could to them and just listen, you know, and sometimes for like hours, right? I mean, it was exactly what you said. I needed to learn the language. So that was so good. Well, yeah. listen, I mean, let's have some fun now and kind of turn around a little bit now that, you know. Well, you actually, Mike, if I might touch on that real quick. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. kind of, you know, that it reminded me of kind of my experience of my growth process um, was that kind of in, insatiable curiosity. 
that I had as to in, in, in network marketing, one of the things I was looking at is I was like, there's a, tons of people who join, right? So there's these people that join and the percentage of people who go make a lot of money is very small. Now, I don't think anybody signs up going like, man, I hope I fail at this. So yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's not like, so, but there are a lot of people who join, they're not looking to make a lot of money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who go, okay, I want to do this and I want to create a freedom level of income for me. Now, yeah. whatever that looks like. And I was always obsessed with what was the difference between those that got there and those that didn't. And so uh, what I started looking at is I was watching these presentations and watching these trainings. Uh, my background being with dance, what I noticed was that the presentation seemed to be choreographed. Um, they, were, they were doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, meaning the game didn't change. It was just the spectators. Yeah. Right. So I, as I started evaluating it, one of my number one goals is I wanted to be one of the youngest six-figure income earners in my company, and I was obsessed with this goal. And so what I did was I went and interviewed six-figure income earners, and I did this to about, I think, about 40 of them. Wow. I had this laundry list of questions I would ask them, and I got obsessed with studying the six-figure income like it was something I was studying in school or something I was studying in a science. And so what I did was I had these questions like, okay, when did you start? How much money did you make your first year, second year, third year, until you earned your six-figure year? Um, in the six-figure year, how much money did you make your first month of the 12 months? How much did you make the last month of the 12 months? And what was the curve on it? How many personal sponsorships did you have the year you know you earned six figures? How many personal sponsorships did you have total? How many legs did you have working inside of it? What percentage of your sales or your customers or your volume was coming out of one leg? You know, because I, I started getting the fact that there was a lot of similarities between the people that all hit six figures. There were some anomalies in there, but yeah. I, I really was looking at, okay, what does your morning look like? How many days were you working? What would your schedule look like? What did you do with your leaders? How did you start a new agent? Like I had this just laundry list of questions. And what I would do is I would kind of beg them in a way. I said, hey, can I just buy you lunch and pick your brain? And many of them were pretty open to that. All right. If I could make it around their schedule and around their life and kind of go to them. And so, um, I, uh, I still have those recordings somewhere buried. I wow. swear to God, where I have these, just, uh, these MP3 recordings of kind of the, the road to six figures. And I found so many similarities around it. And then I use that as kind of my platform of going, okay, if all of these people have done something similar to this, this is what I needed to go do. And yeah, that's great, man. Well, I mean, that's awesome for the listeners out there. I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, he literally just, just, let's just call it a couple dozen top six figure earners and, and ask the same questions to each of them. And then you start to, like you said, see similar, you know, things that are similar, right? So, so yeah. around the, the, the average, they all recruited 26 people, right? That was the average number. So, okay, I, I need to at least do that. Um, I went to these events, right? And so you start to find out that out of all the people, 80% of them went to a Super Saturday event and they never missed it. And they brought people with them. And, and then they start telling you how many people they brought with them. So I love that, man. That was so smart of you to do that. And, and, um, and so now let's talk about like, you know, you went through that journey. You, you learned a lot. You did get to six figures. I remember your speech, right? I, I think it was great. It was so funny that you brought that up too, because 
just a few weeks ago, Kim and I, we love to go on YouTube and just pull up old speeches from that company. Um, and, and it just, I mean, we literally, we get goosebumps sometimes because some of those folks like you um, use that first company as your base, as your foundation to grow as a person, to grow as an entrepreneur, to ask those questions and learn. But then all of a sudden, you know, with the company changes, the, the founder of that company ended up passing away. And so when that happens, a lot of changes happen. And it's some of them, a lot of them are out of your control. And so I know that that the passion there just wasn't there anymore. So many people had left, but you did. And, and when you did, you went into the next company with a whole different journey, a whole different pathway than the first because you had seven, eight, 10, I don't know how many years of development. But talk about that, the transition of you know going into that company and then I'll come back and uh, ask some money questions because everybody in the audience always wants to know about what you do with your money. What are some cool things you buy? So stay listening because we're going to ask Jesse some fun things he's done. And uh, but go back to that 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 moment where you had to make that decision. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was yeah. really tough for you. Um, and so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I mean, it was I mean, by far the, one of the most difficult decisions I've made in my business career uh, for sure. Um, and that was um, uh, nine years ago. So I was with uh, my first company for nine years, and and I had no interest in ever leaving. I had no plans on ever leaving. I had no plans on doing anything different. And I didn't leave angry and or upset. I am unbelievably grateful for the my the first company that I had an opportunity because I've, because there are a lot of companies out there that personal growth was not on a priority list for a lot of companies out there. Sure. Um, and so to be with a company that had. Uh, an incredible product offering, incredible value that was um, service driven, that was mission driven, that uh, was really focused on helping people. Like, I mean, that really has a mission uh, from the owners and uh, from the leaders. So I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that experience in that company. Nice. And, you know, for me, it was uh, 2011 um, when there was an acquisition and a sell and I was trying to figure out, you know, what is, what's, what's right for Jesse. And, uh, yeah, and it's uh, man, a scary one, you know, when you spend you know nine years and pretty much my twenties, and my whole identity was wrapped up into it as well. It wasn't something that I did; it was like who I am, and uh, and I never anticipated ever looking or doing something else. I think in network marketing, your first company is kind of like your first love, you know. It's like. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, you're like, you know, you're in high school, that first love, and you're like, we're getting married, and, and, and yes. no one knows what this is like. No one understands, you know, so you, no one gets so what true. we have, you know. <laughs> um, so and because a lot of times, because if you're in a company that's really around growth and has a great development program, what I find is a lot of people, if they didn't fall in love with the program, is they fell in love with the company that showed them that their dreams were possible. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I was, uh, was kind of starting to evaluate what, you know, what was kind of next for, for Jesse? What, you know, what's the next pathway for me? What makes the most sense for me? And, um, uh, and for me, what I was really looking for was the right people to be in business with. I wasn't, you know, I, obviously products needed to be good. Obviously compensation needed to be fair. Obviously um, there was a, a lot of el elements that played into it, but the number one thing I was looking for is I'm looking for the right people to be in business with. And uh, that's why uh, I, uh, the company that I chose in 2011 uh, that uh, was is my home here for nine years and very, very happy. And But when we came in, um, a lot of people say, ah, man, this starting over. You're, you're never really, you're never starting over because you're taking all of your wisdom, your skills, your development, your um, contact list. And I, if I just take two things, 
Um, and I, and I always tell people, I was like, have you ever had the thought, man, if I only knew when I got started, what I knew now, yeah. man, I could have, I would crush this, you know, because you have to go through that learning curve, right? It's like your first hundred people are like, you know, guinea pigs for your next hundred people. Like, it's, you know, it's like, yeah. sorry, my first hundred recruits. Uh, thank you for teaching me what not to do. Right. Yeah. Um, come back, come back. I know more now. Come back. Right. I know more now. So, I mean, all of us have had that thought, man, if I knew then what I know now, oh, I would have had a very different start and I could have created momentum because it's, you know, you're building with more wisdom than you are. And so when you have an opportunity uh, to uh, start over again, you're not starting over again because you're taking all of that education. You're taking all that wisdom. The second thing is, usually is your kind of Rolodex for the old people <laughs> uh, is, is your list. When I made my first list, when I got into uh, network marketing, it was 113 people. I remember specifically, and I had it printed out in a word document, right? And I have it printed somewhere. It's in my desk. I keep it for, you know, it's like a, a memorabilia say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and nine, when you've been networking on purpose for nine years, your Rolodex changes. Now, this has nothing to do with your existing organization of trying to transfer an organization from one company to another. It has nothing to do with that. You know, I made a list of everybody I knew when I joined my new company in 2011, and I had 4,500 contacts in my phone. Wow. That's just a different list. Now, the other thing that's crazy about it is this, is everybody I knew prior to getting into network marketing was a college student or a hip-hop dancer or... <laughs> <laughs> or a family member that didn't want to talk to me uh, about network marketing. When I got started in my company after nine years, 90% of the people in my phone have been involved in the direct selling or network marketing space. So, and most of them hadn't been doing it at that time, but you're, um, you're not starting over. So we just, I just got excited and, you know, you got excited, went out there and got to work. And I did what I, I, I what I knew is I was like, okay, I'm going to be bad before I'm good. So let me just fall on my face as fast as I can and get it over with quick. Um, so I did a hundred living room presentations in my first 90 days in my new company. Wow. Um, and hundred, I was in a hundred living rooms in my first 90 days. Um, I for sure did at least a hundred one-on-ones as well. I just remember clocking my in living rooms. Um, and, and those were mostly a, a new distributor launch where we were getting together with a few couple friends and family. Average one had three to five, um, some were more, um, but uh, from that, that just we we got some great momentum from that, and was able to you know get me into multiple six figures my first year. Oh, that's awesome! And and uh, you know, to d- due to respect to everybody, we don't say names and stuff. But really, my hats off to your CEO. Uh, I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. I've met him personally. I've asked around the industry. He has an A plus rating as far as just his of who he is. And so I know that's also a big part of, of what you know got you there, but also to keep you, you know, year after year, at times when even other people have left and and things might be a little rocky and sales might be down, you kind of just turn to to the whole thing and say, Well, well, who who's who's leading the way here? And and the loyalty you've you've kept uh, with that company, I I commend you for that. And it's just uh it's nice to see because in this industry, we all know that so many people, it's so easy to pick up and leave. It's so easy to destroy other people. It's so easy to, to do all of that. And, um, and I just, I love what you guys are doing over there. And so just the last couple things here, uh, like I said, for those listeners out there that like to know, okay, okay, you're making money. Well, what do you do with the money? Like, I mean, you know, for you, Jesse, I mean, a hundred thousand was the, the goal at first. And, and, and now we've, we've creeped on that many months of, of making that in a month now. So what you initially set out for and interviewed all those people to make in a year, 
you're now making a month. And, and when you get to that level, right? I mean, because I always say this, as I say, look, five grand will pay your bills, right? 10 grand will allow you to go out and have a little more fun and buy a shirt here and go to dinner and go to a show. Yeah. 20 grand allows you to take care of those family members and the people that, you know, may be struggling at times. But really after 25 grand, you know, you're pretty much doing what you want. You're going where you want. You're not looking at prices on the menu at restaurants. But when you get to 100 grand, it's just a whole different ball field. So tell us some of the things that you've been able to do with the money, whether it was a surprise, uh, a trip, um, you know, homes, whatever. I mean, it's all different. And I know that you've done difference because some things for people, it's homes and cars for other people. And I think for most people, though, it's experiences. And that's one thing I admire what you've done is you've been able to create experiences for people uh, that are close to you and, and part of your organization, which I believe has kept the culture of your team so strong. So talk a little bit about some of the things you did and don't feel like you got to hold back. Brag a little bit because it's not <laughs> about, here's what's great about network marketing. To yeah. make a hundred grand in a month, it's not about you anymore at all. Because yeah. the only way you get to hundred grand a month is you've had to help a lot of people make six figures. You've had to help hundreds of people make 50 grand a year or more and thousands and thousands to make an extra thousand a month. So to be able to get to where you are, we know you've helped thousands of people along the way. So tell us some things you've done with the money. We'll wrap up here in just a minute. Yeah. So uh, gosh, uh, well, this is not a comfortable conversation for me uh, just because I, I, I don't really, um, I don't talk much about it, but I, mean, I think part of the reason why Mike is this is because um, I can tell you what not to do with your first couple <laughs> million for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, geez, Louise. Um, I mean, I was making six figures and I was, I was spending all and more like, sure. and what, I mean, you think about it is like, you know, like, <laughs> What does a 24 year old do with 10 grand a month? You know, it's like, you know, spend, in, in, in LA, I mean, come yeah, on. Like, yeah. Spends 12. I mean, just like a dumbass, you know? So <laughs> anyway, I, um, I wish I, I, I wish I had the wisdom I have today in my early twenties, which is, sure. you know, taking at least 10% and just literally putting it aside and saving it and not doing anything with it. <laughs> hey, paying those things called tax. You yeah, know? how about yeah. have setting aside your money for taxes and prepaying <laughs> your tax? You know, just the you exactly. know the stuff. Um, it's actually one of the things that um uh is is actually sad is the amount of people that I've seen in this profession, particularly, that have made a incredible amount of money, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, four hundred, five hundred thousand, and they have no money. Yeah. Um, and 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 until I would say even the last five years, I was that guy too, you know. So I'm not I'm not hating on him, I'm not faulting on him. I just um because I I I was that experience too. I made a lot of money and I spent a lot of money. And part of it was just, you know, when you have this unbelievable belief in yourself that you can go do it and you can go make more money or you can make more money or you believe it's always gonna go up, you know, because you're that confident in your skills sure. or whatever it is. So <laughs> Um, and I, and I, so I'm, I definitely kind of fall into that category. Um, but for me, it was, it wasn't really much stuff The when I came to my, uh, the company I'm with today and I started making money, I, I mean, we went and bought one of the new Teslas, which I absolutely love. That was like my, one of my favorite cars. Um, you know, we were able to go from renting to owning, you know, and normally, you know, you go from renting to owning, we moved from uh, Los Angeles to Phoenix partially because of taxes. 
I, I wrote a check to California in 2013. I was like, mm, no, not doing that again. Um, cause you're 10% state income tax. I'm just like, yeah. nope, not doing that. So, but I mean, our first home that I was able to purchase, uh, was over a million dollar home as a first time buy, nice. which would have been absolutely unfathomable to a 19 year old hip hop dancer making $15,000 a year. Um, so, but, um, you know, so going from renting to owning, being able to, you know, pay down your debts and, you know, get some nice things. But since then I've, you know, I've, I've really, I've sold a lot of that stuff just because it, it didn't, it didn't give me happiness. It just, for me, what gate, what always made me happy was the things were growing up, which were experiences and travel. Like I think travel is the best teacher. And so, um, I'm at 39 countries I've been wow. to, um, and um, this year has been really tough for me, a COVID year, because it's the first year that I haven't been able to do the normal amount of traveling that I do. Um, and the, the, the reason why is, I mean, I'm usually booking at least two or three trips a year to somewhere, something. Some of them are business related, but a lot of times just personal related. I mean, and some of the crazy things we've done is literally packed our bags um, with our passports, drove to LAX with no idea where we're going and went to the international terminal, Brett, Tom Bradley and looked at the board no and way. went <laughs> Costa Rica. And we got on the next flight to Costa Rica, one way ticket with no plans of coming home, like that type of stuff. And love it. so, um, I loved Costa Rica so much the first time we went that I did a team incentive trip down there. So, uh, we did a, you know, set up a rank. If you hit this rank and we rented, um, a 10,000 square foot house, and brought our leaders. I think we had about eight or nine of them. We went to Costa Rica and uh, flew them in. And um, we all stayed in the house together. We went and bought food. We cooked together and created those experiences, you know, and then we did the whitewater rafting and the zip lining and all oh, that fun stuff. Love it. One of the things that we would always do on our trips is one day was always a community day. It was always a give back day. And so, and usually it was the day they're like, ah, oh, really? But it always ended up being the best day ever. And uh, when we were in Costa Rica, we did um, uh, the kids saving the rainforest which um, had to do a lot with um, the animals and that the rainforest and protecting the rainforest. And so we ended up doing some hard labor and building some f fences and goats and cages for, uh, for some of the animals that get wounded, that get brought to this sanctuary um, and some pretty big give backs to those organizations. And the next year we uh, had such a great time with that. I took um, six, uh, it was either 16 or 18 people to Thailand um, and the reason why is these are some of the, my favorite places on earth. And so what better way to experience the places than to go back, but to go back with your friends. And so we, uh, we rented a 20,000 square foot house in uh, Thailand, did the same thing. And it was so funny because my leaders said a lot of them had never been, some of them never been out of the country. Yeah. I had to get a passport. So it was their first time out of the country and we're taking them to Thailand and they don't, you know, they don't eat anything outside of American food. <laughs> and I remember getting the bill at the end of the week. Cause we had the house, the house get the housemaids and the house chef that would bring, make food and bring food. And it was like Singha's the beer. And then Pad Thai is the only thing they knew that was Thai food. So it was, I had $3,000 I paid in beer and Pad Thai. And that's a lot for that area. <laughs> and it was just like, I remember getting the bill and I was like, Singha, 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 Pad Thai, Pad Thai, Pad Thai, Pad Thai. And I was like, Oh my God, you guys are crazy. Um, so, I mean, uh, for me, it's, it, it's, it's, it's always been, um, experiences, you know, and, you know, I think money, money, just, what does it buy? It buys better memories, I, I mean, you know, in a way sure. and you know, what you can do for, you know, the people around you and those, those things when you look back on, cause today when you recount your life and you recount back at things, 
most of the time you're thinking about the times that you spent with people or the special experiences you had maybe somewhere. It could have been a spiritual experience. It could have been um, somewhere you traveled, something that you, something that happened um, are the, usually the moments that you look back on the fondest. Um, and so that's always been really uh, where I've, I've put my money in today. You know, in, in 2020, it's interesting because, um, you know, we've been able to you know, buy some properties and now have some Airbnbs. So, you know, having your obviously getting your money to making money for you, you know, and, and been able to in 2020 make some plays in the stock market, um, which were pretty darn incredible for us. And, and actually, I just pulled out, uh, pulled out of some, uh, some positions that I had, but it's crazy because today, like I made more just in my money, making money for me in the stock market in the last six months than I used to make in 15 years teaching dance classes, you know, um, and awesome. what's unbelievable about network marketing is the fact that when you build it right and you build the culture and you build it where you have um, a product or service that people are consuming and that they love and they want to buy again, your network marketing business ends up being a cash cow, really, that you can take to invest into other things. So, and, and that's one of the things I would highly recommend for the networkers as you're out there is if you're making $100,000 a year or more and you're, and you're getting yourself is, you know, find ways to diversify your income you know, outside of your network marketing business. And it, I promise you, it'll just make your, your network marketing business stronger. Awesome, Jesse. Well, last question. I always ask this at the very end and uh, it's a fun one. And so uh, let's pretend that today you wake okay. up tomorrow, there is yeah. no more network marketing. You can't do that industry. You're banned from it for life. Nothing bad. It's just, it doesn't exist anymore. Yep. What would Jesse McPherson do? Where do you see yourself uh, an industry that you could step in and you feel you would do really well? Um, oh, I already know this one. Um, so, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> well, there's, there's really two, um, I'll let you have two. I, there's really two and they would, I would do them both. Um, and, and I, I already have plans on doing them both because I can do them both with my network marketing business is number one is, uh, development training. So, um, I love speaking. I love training. I love seeing people's eyes light up and go, man, the quality of my life is improved because of information that was passed on. And, you know, and I, I, my, my goal is I want to be a good steward of the information, a good steward of the influence that I've been given and the responsibility. I think that we have to pass it on and pay it forward. So development and training, I love that. So there's that, you know, whether that be in person live events or doing speaking engagements or things like that, that's it. But the one right now that I'm most excited about is van life. Oh my God, uh -huh. I'm obsessed with this. So um, I, um, ever since I was a kid, I loved traveling in a, like a motorhome or a van. And when I was in um, um, a freshman in high school, my parents and I did six months in Mexico in a Westphalia pop top. Wow! And so we traveled all through Mexico and drove all, literally through the, visited all the archeological sites. And so I've been with some of my fondest memories of growing up. So. Uh, this year, I bought a van. I bought a conversion van, those Sprinter vans. By the way, if you want to have like like sleepless nights, go to YouTube and put in hashtag van life, and it's the coolest stuff ever. So these people are building these little mini homes inside of these vans, right? So I ended up buying a van, and uh, we kind of basically ripped it out, converted the whole thing. It was like our COVID project because we're stuck at home. So between Amazon and trips to Home Depot, that was uh, <laughs> that was our COVID project, and. 
So what we did was we redid this van. And what I would do is I would travel around in my van and I would vlog all my travel experiences of the places I'm going, the the experiences I'm having, the the places to eat, the cool things that you can do. And for those that want to have live vicariously through through us, they can do that. And for those that are adventurous enough to get out into the world, they will have the coolest places to go, the coolest places to eat, the coolest experiences to have and off the beaten path type of experiences that they would have an opportunity to have. So I would do a travel vlog from my van and going around uh, everywhere my van would go. So. Man, that's awesome. Well, listen, I'm, I'm with you on that travel experiences. And um, I, I actually, right in Phoenix is the company RV and Go uh, yep. that we're, we're going to give a shot to it. So we'll definitely connect before Kim and I, but uh, coming in the first quarter of next year, we want to do a few weeks and just go hit it up like from San Diego all the way up to BC would be a massive fun trip. So Absolutely. we'll link up on that. Jesse McPherson, my friend, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, no matter how much money you make in this world, that's one thing you can't get back and that's the time. So spend it wisely. I just spent my last half hour very wisely. I learned a lot and uh, most people don't know the language of success. And so I encourage you to start to learn that language and start to then, like Jesse said, the responsibility is to then turn around and teach that. And that's why people like Jesse McPherson, even making six figures a month, still turns around to give back because it's a responsibility that we have and we believe that we can also help a lot of other people have that freedom and that lifestyle. So Jesse McPherson, thank you, my friend. We love you. We appreciate you. And you really represent the life of a networker. Thank you, sir. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Tell2 app, powered by RapidFunnel. It's not just another app. It's an entirely new technology category. The Tell2 app gives you a genuine way to build real relationships with your customers and get quality referrals with less work from you. Go to tell2app.com and build your brand, your way, and tell your story better.